Hello, everyone. Welcome to Womanhood Redeemed. I'm Ina Castillo. And I'm Elizabeth Russell. And we're glad you're here. How are you, Elizabeth? I am so good. I'm so excited to be back. I think it's been two weeks since we recorded. It has so. been. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting couple weeks. So just craziness going on that we got to deal with. So yep. like right now, <laughs> we're under two feet of snow. Ah. Snowing right now. <laughs> And there's more snow coming in, I think, starting Saturday, and it's supposed to go for like four days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Okay. Well, we had snow a couple days ago, but it's gone by now. Like, it's... Yeah, no, I didn't realize. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we had the really... I, I'm, I think the Washington Post had, like, Denver's going to be buried under snow. And I'm just like, guys, this... Whatever. This is normal. <laughs> This year, like anything goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the coronavirus news story is a little slow. <laughs> like, all you got to report on is Denver's going to be buried under snow. And, and we, we did break some records. Uh, uh, DIA, the airport, got 27.5 inches, um, wow. which was which blew up the rec- what they were predicting they were going to get out there by like three inches. But, um, and it's now considered because they took the measurement from DIA. So I kind of don't consider this accurate at all because I'm like, look, if you're going to be doing it from Denver, it should be from Denver. DIA is 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes outside of Denver. And the land was annexed to be part of Denver, <laughs> but it's out on the plains. So that kind of doesn't make sense. And it's not at the same elevation as actual Denver. So they're like, this is Denver's fourth biggest storm in history because we hit 27.5 inches. And I'm like, no, that was out at the airport. And you didn't measure that in 1885 because there wasn't such a thing as an airport. <laughs> Never. <laughs> anyway. Things get to Ina sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I didn't sleep last night. And <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sucking coffee today. Like nobody's business I'm like I need an IV drip of caffeine today and I'm irritated and tired so I apologize I'll be back okay it makes for good podcasting yes entertainment for you guys <laughs> it's like wow I just started today uh-huh <laughs> so do you want to hear about our topic I do I'm excited to hear what you have so we are Listeners, we are recording on the feast day of St. Patrick. It will not be about St. Patrick, but I thought I should preface by Lunches. saying that. Um, happy St. Patrick's Day belatedly to all of you. Yes. Um, and this will be a little belated as well, but we're going to talk about St. Joseph because it's his feast day on Friday. Friday. And it's the year of St. Joseph. So I thought we should have some discussion about the foster father of Jesus. Let's do it. I'm all for that. I have, I have a few ideas on that. I'm going to let you go roll with it, honey. Yes. And it's going to be, it might be a little scattered because it's kind of like just a compilation of things that like I've been thinking about Joseph or that I've heard of Joseph. And I just like would like to talk about them and just have like a really great discussion about him because he's amazing. So this is great. I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) So I'm, I'm actually going to open with prayer real quick and we're going to invite him into our space. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Joseph. Thank you for this year of your blessings. Thank you for coming and just allowing your silence and your gentleness to work over the world. We are seeing so many signs of you bringing fruit out of this year. And we thank you for this feast day that 
is already showing such fruit. And I, I just, I can't imagine the fruit that's going to come on Friday and reign over the world. So thank you for that. And thank you for being a faithful protector of us, of Jesus, and of the world. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So yes, I noticed two things specifically. Um, do you know who Milo Yiannopoulos is? I'm probably butchering that name. Okay. So he's a conservative figure. He's been around for, I don't know, at least six years. I feel like I heard of him like three or four years ago. Um, and I never really followed him too closely because he was such a contradiction that he kind of made me uncomfortable at the same time as he super fascinated me. Um, he, he like speaks out against abortion in, in support of the church, especially around the time of the scandals. He was really like speaking in, in support of the church, that like the church is not dependent on the members, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, which was all great, but he's also, he was openly living a homosexual lifestyle with his partner. I have heard of this guy. Okay. I have heard of him. Yep. I didn't know his yes. name, but I've heard of him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, okay. and I think I had watched an interview by Ben Rector with him, I think was the two of them. So, okay. um, and it, no, not Ben Rector, sorry. Um, oh, who's the Jewish, um, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, yeah, and I had watched that. It was like an hour long. And it just, it, it really introduced me to him as like, wow, he's really grounded in his faith. He knows what's right and what's wrong. But like, he just wasn't able, he talked very openly and honestly about his struggles that like, you know, to walk away from this lifestyle is, it's difficult. Like it's, it, it's something that's ingrained in how he lives his life. And just renouncing it wasn't so easy, you know, even though he knew that that was like, that the church shouldn't support it and that it is a sin and all this stuff. Um, at least he acknowledges that. That's a, that's at least a positive. Despite he, he's living the way that he is, he's acknowledging what he's choosing. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it blew me away because I feel like so many people just aren't that honest about it, you know, about the struggle while they're in the struggle. Yeah. And Last week, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it might have been, I forget what day it was, but it was last week, I received um, a notice from my friend Kim, she sent me this article, she's like, hey, it's it's an article that Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos has renounced his gay lifestyle and consecrated himself to St. Joseph. Interesting. Yes, and the article goes into detail about, from Milo, about the fact that you know, human endeavors were not sufficient and that he needed to consecrate himself to St. Joseph. He had to do something that was going to give him strength externally from himself. And his, he said his, uh, his partner has been demoted to roommate and he's been living this life consecrated to St. Joseph. And it's just, it's crazy. Like the, the amount of graces that were so, so apparent in the article were just mind-blowing um and I think that there's that it's just it's a it's a one example of Saint Joseph being so active in the world right now right yeah absolutely yeah and, and he's gonna do things that he just no one else had the power to do for a long time you know Saint Joseph is just gonna quietly and gently just turn the tide on a lot of things. And so the other uh, example of that that I found was, um, I was telling you earlier, like yesterday morning or a couple of days, two mornings ago, when I woke up and I received the notification that um, 
that the Vatican had clarified on homosexual unions. Yeah. And I honestly think that that spiritually has come out of Milo's renunciation as well. I think those things go hand in hand. I think that I could see that for sure. Joseph was paving the way and Milo, like allowing himself to be open to those graces, open the floodgates of the Vatican to be able to be like definitive. Yes, this is what we say. Um, I think it's all, I think, I think the grace just flows back and forth and all these things. And there's, it's flowing in places we can't see. And it's flowing in places that are just bringing fruit that, that is growing underneath the ground. And it's just going to like spring up into flowers that are just like overwhelming to all of us. Um, Right. Just a field of lilies basically. So I think St. Joseph has, I think we can credit him with pretty much anything good that happens this year. I think it's probably going to be at his doorstep. Um, you know, with uh, Freedom After the Trauma Conference, we've been talking with investors and praying and everything and um, praying for the financial assistance to be able to move forward with our mission. If you haven't heard of Freedom After the Trauma, I highly recommend you check it out. It's a conference. Um, it's an organization dedicated to bringing healing into the world for anyone who's experienced any type of trauma. Um, I don't know if you notice this, but I think there's a lot of feedback when I'm talking. Do you notice it? I don't notice any feedback at all. No, right. not I'm on gonna my try. Hand. Yeah, I'm going to try plugging in my earbuds and see if that helps. Okay. For those listeners that don't know, Elizabeth and I actually podcast from two totally different states. So she's in a different state and on a different device than I am. And so if she's hearing something that's on her end in some, sometimes it'll be, you know, I hear something on my end. Um, but just, so, just to good. <laughs> we don't good that you're not hearing it because it might not, the recording might not be picking it up, which is good. Which, yeah, which is a positive, but it, it's distracting to you as the podcaster. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Oh yeah. Okay, actually that makes you super clear. Oh, good, okay. So maybe that's just good at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still hear feedback, but I'll just try to ignore it because if you're not hearing it, then hopefully it's fine for listeners. So. Yeah, I don't hear it at all. So, and I'm the one I think recording. So um, yeah. It's funny because uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, their podcast, shout out to those guys. Um, they're so funny because they have, they'll be in the same room, but they're all on different, like they got their own mics and then like headphones and their equipment likes to go wonky, like all the time. And so like, they'll be talking and all of a sudden, like father Nathan be like, I can't do these headphones. <laughs> and he's like ripping them off his head. And then like father Mike Rapp will come in and be like, do you want me to fix that? He's like, no, it's, just, it's fine. All I hear is like weirdness or I hear like nothing at all. <laughs> We can hear you just fine as listeners. So that's a, but when you're the one who's recording, you're the one who's talking, it can be distracting when, yes. uh, when the equipment's not cooperating with you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so Courtney Leong is, you know, she's my strat- private strategist through the woman's school, but she's also the founder of Freedom After the Trauma Conference. And I've been working with her on that. So we've been praying for this funding and everything. And um, she's like, you know, I keep hearing that we're going to get it in March. Like, you know, we'll see, but like, I keep hearing like we're going to get it in March. And she was frustrated that it was taking that long. And I said, you know, you know why it's going to be March, right? She's like, no, what are you talking about? I said, it's because of St. Joseph. Like he wants to take the credit for it. And she just laughed. She's like, he can have the credit for it. He can give it to us in January or February. That's fine. I'll give him the credit. <laughs> 
Uh, it just it has to be made obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he he really and it's his timing too. Like it's God's timing, and so Saint Joseph's going to give it to us when it's the perfect timing. Um, yeah. you know, I was reading an article this morning that was just absolutely beautiful, and it was talking about um how we can. I was reading a couple articles, but basically about St. Joseph to get ready for this. And like, one of the ways that this guy was talking about that we can meet Joseph is to look at how Jesus lived his life. Basically that sons are constantly looking at their fathers. And when they learn something new from their father, they think I'm going to teach that to my son. They think like, I'm going to teach that to others because that's a really cool thing. And when you, yeah, when you have that, that, that relationship with your father, which is very positive. And Jesus obviously would have had a positive relationship with Joseph. What were some things in Jesus' ministry that he was doing that could actually have been traced back to Joseph, that Joseph had taught him how to maybe tell stories, pray, um, you know, connect with people. Yeah. 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 Well, and totally because I mean, Joseph was a very devout man in his, in his Jewish roots. And so uh, having Jesus consecrated in the temple after he was born, like that was something that was, that was important to Joseph and not just to Mary, but to Joseph too. And so you do need to look at that as what did, what did Joseph teach Jesus? And you see how Jesus prays, you see how, um, how he talks in parables and how he teaches and, and that, yes, he was teacher in the church. He was also in the, in the temple, but he was also um, a carpenter. And so mm-hmm. where did he learn these particular things that he knew how to do? He, he saw that through St. Joseph and so learned how to do those through St. Joseph. Yes, Jesus's father is God. Um, but we also have to acknowledge the fact that his foster father, his stepfather, essentially, really foster father is Joseph is yeah. St. Joseph. And so and there's like, a verse, go ahead. There's a verse in one of the gospels that says, Jesus says the only, I only do what I have learned from my, my father in heaven. So he lays out that like that relationship between a father and a son is very direct. Right. And, um, you know, as God, he's only going to do what he's learned from his father in heaven, but as man, he's also going to do what he's learned from his earthly father. Because yeah. he has that dual nature. He has the nature of infused knowledge from the father and he has the nature of experiential knowledge from Joseph. So he can only do things as a human being by learning how to do them. Yeah. He, like actually made mistakes and, and yeah. had to learn from those mistakes. And that was like, we see that in the, um, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. Yeah. But all of Jesus's mistakes would have been just intense moments for grace for everyone right like absolutely for Jesus to make a mistake is like for all of us to make like the biggest accomplishment of our life (laughs) yeah well and like it's interesting like when you when when you read that uh part of the gospel where he's the child in the temple and his parents are searching for him and searching for him and cannot find him for three days and he's in the temple um, it wasn't a matter of disobedience because he wasn't being disobedient. He was listening to God. Like it, this is not, and then they were like very worried and he realized that, okay, I worried them. Um, right. I didn't do anything wrong, but I worried them. And therefore I'm not going to, I'm not going to make them worry like that again. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll just do what they need me to do, what they, what they ask me to do, because that's what, that's what a good son does. 
and which is beautiful to, to witness to in the gospel, like to see that, that, you know what, this was an important moment. Um, He's a child spouting scripture as a child. And like you were saying, he had to learn how to do certain things. One of them being, if he hadn't had parents, he wouldn't know how to speak. Jesus wasn't born talking. He wasn't born walking. He had to learn these things just like the rest of us. This is why God came to earth as human was to fully experience humanity as a human. Because otherwise, how could we relate to him? Yeah. In, in the ways that we do now as Christians. So, and, and that was part of the the whole salvation history. So him doing those things, he had to learn how to do these things. So teaching in the temple as a 12 year old boy shocked the rabbis in the temple, you know, but he also was like, okay, I totally worried my parents. Well, what's interesting is that, so there's, I've been thinking about like that whole experience and had some insights. I don't know how doctrinally sound they are. So I'm going to put that like disclaimer there right away. Um, But I think, but they've bottom line, they've helped me to understand a little bit better Joseph and Jesus's relationship. And um, so Jesus was uh, an adult at 12 years old. In, you know, he was a man, like in the way that like the Jewish tradition right. states, right? So he would have gone, he believed that once he reached manhood, it was his call to go and preach, like begin his, his ministry. That was his time to begin his ministry. And when his parents look for him and they're anxious for him and they tell him that they have, that he has to come home, he's surprised. It's like, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Because there was this you know, it, it's programmed into him. He knows that like, this is his mission. Yeah. Um, but he thought that it was supposed to start as soon as he became a man, but it wasn't, it was actually supposed to start. Now, this is something that, this is what I don't know if it's doctrinally sound. Um, but my friend shared this with me and I was like, whoa, um, we know, we have this sense from the gospels that Joseph is dead by the wedding feast at Cana. Yeah. Especially from the fact that Mary was invited to a wedding feast and Joseph and his apostles accompanied her that like implies that Joseph was not alive anymore. So by Jesus going to the wedding feast or no, sorry, by Jesus starting his ministry after Joseph's death, and it's kind of implied that Joseph died recently, honestly, um, because jo- so Joseph is in the line of David, mm-hmm. which makes Jesus in the line of David. And the king doesn't step up to his call to his role until the previous king has died. Right. So Joseph is the previous king who dies and then Jesus steps into the role of leading. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that's how households ran too, just like small kingdoms. And so, yeah, that would make, that would make sense. And again, like we don't know, like nobody knows exactly when Joseph died or whenever or right. whatever, but it would make sense in that regard that, uh, that that would happen. And there's other um, uh, typographies that Jesus are, is linked to from the old Testament that also show case kind of like why he started his ministry when he did. And um, because, mm-hmm. uh, and I was listening to um, a podcast yesterday from, I think it was Pints with Aquinas. They're great. It was Matt Frad. And it was, um, he was interviewing uh, Dr. Scott Hahn. And 
they were talking about some of the topography. Yeah, Scott Hahn was talking about it. Dr. Scott Hahn was talking about the typography of Moses and Jesus mm. and the parallels that are Moses and Jesus. So that would be part of it, like that that lineage of of the of his ministry. Um, but I, I like that that concept too, like thinking about like Jesus would have stepped up that he would have become the the man, the, the head of the household, the head of the house of David yeah. after the previous head of the house of David passes on, which would be Joseph. So that would kind of make sense that, that that's when he would take up his role as head yeah. of the house of David and yeah. Mary would follow him because that's what the women did. And that's what, well, and here's the other thing too, that like is so cool about going to Sakana. And I, this, this kind of came to me when I was watching the chosen, cause they definitely drew a parallel here. And I think that there, it just had never occurred to me to draw a parallel here, but basically that when Jesus asked, says to her, like, this is not my time. My time has not yet come. They drew a parallel between that and um, the his time in the temple when he thought his time had come and she told him to come home. And he's almost like going to her and saying like, my time has not yet come. And she's like, actually it has. Like he's been waiting for her permission to start his ministry. Which would be like, honorable to his mother. Say that again. That would be honorable to his mother. Right. He's yeah. on her in that regard. Yeah, I could see that absolutely um, being the case. And um, it, I think that's beautiful too. Like, and yeah, again, we don't know whether that's doctrinally sound. Um, and, you know, we, we put that caveat in there. Um, I love the chosen because they really do try to give um, credit to the Bible. But I also look at it as, while they have a Catholic priest on the board, that doesn't mean they always listen to his theology. Right. <laughs> so there's an artistic some, license. There is a lot. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I, I have kind of like a Bible study. It's like, you can take what other people say, but like, yeah. that doesn't make it doctrine, right? Yeah. This isn't Jeff Cavins or Scott Hahn telling you what the Bible is saying. Right. And even then they actually go and get their information from those that live their lives immersed in in theology and spirituality and the church doctrine yeah (laughs) all of like one of uh, scott hahn's favorites is um cardinal ratzinger before he became pope benedict that he reads his stuff like this guy like knows intellectually pope benedict is is so intellectually amazing like blows my mind but that's who scott hahn like turns to looking for what the church doctrine and theology is. And that's, I mean, he learns from him in that regard. So you got to think about that too. Like Dr. Scott Hahn, his ministry originally started Protestant. (laughs) And uh, I love his story. That was uh, Pints of Aquinas yesterday. It was his story of conversion. And it, it was, it's really beautiful, really, really beautiful. And I'm just like, this is cool. Cause it, he's a very intellectual man and really looks at the logic and intellectualism of faith and religion and, and the Bible and Jesus and all that. And so all his conclusions that he came to it is that concept of I'm going to go in here and prove these people wrong. 
and goes in and actually finds out they're speaking truth. <laughs> He's just like, I've been wrong. Like, oh my gosh. And so I, anyway, his story is great. Yes, but yes. he, yeah, and there's so many, oh God. Oh no, it's fine. He, like, he's just talking that, that he learned through intellectual study, uh, the truth, like came to know what the truth is. And so, um, and he said something about, what did he say? He said something about St. Joseph yesterday on the podcast. And I can't remember what it was now. My brain. I need more coffee. It might come to you. <laughs> it might. But I, I love this idea because it is the year of St. Joseph and that, that Friday is his consecration day. Uh, for those that are, it's his feast day. So people who are doing the consecration to St. Joseph um, are doing that on Friday. And so um, like, I do know that uh, the Augustan Institute and I don't know, maybe it was Theology of the Body Conference. One of those, either the Theology of the Body Institute or the Augustan Institute has on their website in limited quantities, the um, consecration to St. Joseph for like $5, nice. like the, the whole like book. So uh, go there and, and get it. If you're wanting to consecrate to St. Joseph. Um I saw that yesterday. I got the email. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, and my, to be honest, like I'm, I'm not doing that this year. I should be. I'm not. I actually really am trying to convince my husband to do it with me because I feel called to that. And the well, reason. Another feast day. Yeah. I forget well, when it's May or June, but St. Joseph the Worker is another feast day. In this yes. Year. And that's another yeah. day you can consecrate to him. And um, I'm, I'm pushing trying to get Andrew to do it with me because here's the thing with St. Joseph that I see from my, my lived experience in life. Mary married a man that most likely had been a widow, a widower. Um, he'd been a widower and most likely had grown adult children. Um, and the church actually used to teach this. So it, it's not that they don't teach it now. It's that they, it, it's kind of open to interpretation mostly because yeah. we don't really know, but he was older. He had adult children, most likely. So he steps in as foster father to Jesus, but Mary marries Joseph and he fosters Jesus. And my parallel with that is that my husband is my St. Joseph not only is he the man that I've, I'm married to, that I'm covenantly bound to by the church, by God, but that he took under his wing my children, my sons, and he is fostering them to adulthood. He's their stepfather, but he's, he is the one helping to raise them. He is the one that is that, that father figure that is teaching them to be good, holy men. Yeah. And so I love what St. Joseph stands for in all his realms. I love to the, the terror of demons. Like I totally attribute that to Andrew too. Like mm -hmm. that's part of their role as, as husbands, as men. And St. Joseph is such a great example of that. And I want, I, I want Andrew to um, experience that with me. So I guess it's more like my own desire for that. Like that, yeah. that he sees that I see him in that way because he's that I, that I do not to say my husband's perfect. He's flawed. We know this, 
<laughs> there's no perfect man on this earth anymore. That was only Jesus. Um, but that he is my St. Joseph, that he is the one that has taken us under his wing and is raising my sons and helping me be a better woman and be a better wife. And he protects me, which is what St. Joseph did to Mary and Joseph was to protect them. Um, that's why they fled to Egypt after Jesus's birth, because he needed to protect Jesus and Mary and that he took that role seriously. And um, my husband takes his role seriously as head of this household, head of our family, and um, and that he takes it seriously about protecting us and, and all that. So I've called him my St. Joseph since the start, and um, I inundate him with St. Joseph imagery all the time. <laughs> so he's, he's either irritated or he's starting to realize I want to, I'd love to do a consecration to St. Joseph with him. But um that that's the portion I wanted to share with my thoughts on St. Joseph is who is my St. Joseph in real life. And that's my mm -hmm. husband. I love that. You know, I've been thinking about the same thing. Um, you know, St. Joseph in my own life, because, you know, last year, gosh, I think about like May or so, um, one of my best friends prayed specifically to St. Joseph for a husband. Right. And she did like a, a novena and everything and then not only did she find a guy like right around the time that she finished the novena but his name was joe and he was <laughs> he was her saint joseph and now they're engaged they're planning their wedding and everything and it's a, it's a beautiful story that's sweet yeah and it's really like made me reflect you know like i don't think i'm necessarily gonna marry a joseph but i will marry a joseph Right. Yeah. I'm going to marry my St. Joseph. And, yeah. and as women, we should see it that way. Like who is going to be our, our personal St. Joseph. And I think it's so, it's such a direct relationship. Like St. Joseph is the best example because Mary had her true life through God. Yeah. She had like, that was the, where the fruit came from in that marriage. However, St. Joseph was, he, he stepped into that role as the earthly guide, you know, guide. And like, he wasn't just superfluous. It wasn't like he was there just for physical protection. He literally stepped into the role of spiritual leader, family leader, like actually being the father of Jesus. He didn't just step back and be like, Oh, look at this great kid. Right. He did right. that a lot. I'm sure. But that wasn't like, I think we kind of can get the idea that like, well, Jesus and Mary were just so holy. They just like ran the household. And Joseph was just like, gosh, I'm just not as good as them. And that's just not it at all. Like in his humility, he let himself step up and be the leader. Yes. Yes. And that's something really important too, that we also clarify that there's a reason why we call it the Holy family, because it is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And, um, and then you get the triptych of the, the three hearts that are really popular right now of the heart of St. Joseph, the immaculate heart and the sacred heart. And, the beauty behind that and like the, what that means and the, and the whole power behind the family nucleus, which is where St. Joseph is central. Like that is really important because what is our world without the family? And Joseph, now we need to rem remember too, he was a holy man, but he was also, I mean, he was flawed too. He wasn't, he was born with original sin. And we have to remember that, that yes, he's a saint. And yes, he was the, the foster father of Jesus. And he was a holy man. 
especially because once he found out Mary was pregnant, he was like, I'm, I'll divorce her quietly so not to cause scandal. But you look at it and go, that is still also a moment of weakness on his part because it's not like he went and talked to Mary. What happened? It took an angel coming to him in a dream to say, hey, yo, don't, don't be divorcing her. This is why she's pregnant. She wasn't with another guy. <laughs> uh, I will say I've heard different interpretations of that. So just to put a little clarification, not, not clarification, but um, footnote on that, that I have heard there are different interpretations of whether or not we consider him like having weakness or not. Well, and I don't know that that would be necessarily considered weakness per se, but it's also, but it kind of is and kind of isn't. It's like, right. He could I have think gone there's definitely confusion would be like yeah. the, the minimum of like what's going on there. Yeah. Is that and he's, I'm not, he's I'm unsure. Not, and I'm not stating that, oh, he was just a fully, hugely flawed man. We don't know, first right. off. Second off, um, he wasn't born without original sin. He wasn't well, like- Well, that's the other thing too. So there is some tradition that states that he was the way, he was just like John the Baptist, that he was baptized in the womb. I haven't heard much about it, but I have heard that is part of some traditions in relation to St. Joseph. Right, but traditions are always- without original sin. <laughs> Well, but, but we also have to remember that tradition isn't always doctrine or dogma. Um, we There's have also, very little doctrine to be just at all. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's a little, it can be really, uh, for some people, it can be really difficult to even just like comprehend or like understand or um, be comfortable with the concepts of St. Joseph. So this whole year being devoted to him, there's a lot of study going into St. Joseph. And I think we're going to get a lot of more understanding by the time this year is over. I'm really excited. I think, so. about that. I think so too. I think, it, I think that we're going to learn a lot more because people are going to start delving deeper into um, old documents of the church fathers and they're going to, they're going to potentially find a little bit more information. I have an app on my phone called Laudete and it's a, uh, uh, it's got like the daily readings and saints of the day and um, prayers. It, 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 and it keeps growing. Like now there's like, I think like 15 different podcasts on there. I was like, we have podcasts, but um, I'm like, that's cool. But they, when you go into the saint of the day, the, before you even get to the saint of the day, they have, because it's the year of St. Joseph, they have a blip about church, old documents of St. Joseph or like what oh, cool. about St. Joseph. So let me see if, if I can, if today has one. That's so cool. And while you're looking that up, I just want to say too, like, I love, I actually really like appreciate that both of us are like coming from different, like information about St. Joseph, because I think oh, yeah, that like fundamentally when it comes to St. Joseph, it doesn't matter what the specific details are about his life, which right. is why they're not so stated in the gospels, right? Like whether or not he was a young man and unmarried, whether or not he was an older man and he had been married before, whether or not he did sin in that instance, or at least had weakness, um, or whether or not it was a sign of his, you know, extreme humility that he said, no, I'm not going to take you because I do believe that you're pregnant with God. You know, these, like these differences, they're fundamentally not what matter. What right. matters is that Joseph was chaste, just, and a just, and a good man. Yes. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, that is really, really important. Um, no, they don't have anything for today, but I'm going over to Friday because that's the solemnity of St. Oh, yeah. Joseph. 
good thinking. So, <laughs> now that I have stuff on St. Patrick today. <laughs> I know. I'm like, sorry, Patrick. Um, uh, St. Joseph, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, also known as Joseph of Nazareth, Joseph the Artisan, Joseph the Betrothed. Additional oh, rooms is May 1st. That's Joseph the Worker. Um, the third Wednesday after Easter is the patronage of St. Joseph of the Universal Church. His feast day in the Armenian Church is October 29th, and in the Coptic, it's July 20th. And then, of course, because we don't have a huge amount of information on him, his little profile is small. A descendant of the House of David, a layman, builder by trade, traditionally a carpenter, but may have been a stone worker, earthly spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which also the church originally didn't, they didn't used to say Blessed Joseph during the litany of saints in the, in the liturgy of the Eucharist. They changed that about oh, I, maybe five years ago where they changed it to where he's now Blessed Joseph, the spouse, you know, husband of Mary. And uh, a lot of people were like, that's really great because it should be like, I mean, he was married to Mary and he raised Jesus. Like, that's great. Anyway, that was a side note. Interesting. A foster and adoptive father of Jesus Christ, visionary who was visited by angels. So that's important to note that we that this states that because he was a holy man and he did a lot for the the temples. And being a visionary means that he's open to God speaking to him. Right. Regardless, I, like with he, you know, and I think, I think there are, I honestly think that most ways of interpreting what happened with him and Mary are accurate because it would have been a very emotionally turbulent time where a lot of things are going on inside of yeah. him. Yeah. And I think that the fundamental thing is that like, even when you're going through these times of uncertainty and freaking out basically, and not knowing what, how to respond, if you're open to the answer, God will send you the answer. Yes. And, and his humility is important to remember. Um, and then it says noted for his willingness immediately to get up and go do what God told him to do. Yes. Uh, he died the first, <laughs> it says died first century prior to the passion of natural causes. Hmm. Um, I love all of his, what he's the patron saint of, which is a lot. Uh, let's see. Oh, Pope, Pope John the 23rd. Oh yeah. Like everything. Uh, against doubt, against hesitation, accountants, attorneys, I'm not sure why, why accountants, or <laughs> baristas, bursars, cabinet makers, carpenters, cemetery workers, children, civil engineers, confectioners, if you make candy, <laughs> craftsmen, I love that because I'm a crafter, <laughs> dying people, educators, emigrants, Exiles, expectant mothers, families, fathers, furniture makers, grave diggers, happy deaths, holy deaths, house hunters, which is true and it works. Um, yes. we, we did that with our house and we were under contract in like two days. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. And so then what happened is because it worked for us, I gave the statue to my girlfriend who was trying to sell her house. <laughs> I was like, here you go. And like instantly, I'm like, see, my statue was good. <laughs> Um, people in doubt, uh, immigrants, interior souls, joiners, laborers, lawyers, married people, orphans, people who fight communism, pioneers, pregnant women, social justice, solicitors, teachers, travelers, 
uh, wheelwrights, workers, working people, the Catholic Church, Oblates of St. Joseph, for protection of the church, for the universal church, Vatican II. I actually didn't know that. Americas, Austria, Belgium, Bohemia, Canada, China, Croatian people, Korea. Why can't they just say Croatia? (laughs) (laughs) New France. Where's New France? I have no idea. The New World. Showing up right now. (laughs) Peru. I'm like, I don't think there is a New France anymore. Let's just assume. (laughs) Uh, the Philippines, Vatican City, Vietnam, Canadian Armed Forces, Papal, I have a funny story about that, Papal States, 46 dioceses, 26 cities, states, and regions. I think Joseph is bent on taking over the world. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of, like, readings from different saints. So there's one from St. Bernardine of Siena, um, Cho- Pope John Paul II, from his daily meditations, which that one probably would be really good to read. Yeah. What emanates from the figure of St. Joseph is faith. Joseph of Nazareth is a just man because he totally lives by faith. He is holy because his faith is truly heroic. Sacred scripture says little of him. It does not record even one word spoken by, by Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth. And yet, even without words, he shows the depths of his faith, his greatness. St. Joseph is a man of great spirit. He is great in faith, not because he speaks his own words, but above all, because he listens to the words of the living God. He listens in silence and his heart ceaselessly perseveres in the readiness to accept the truth contained in the word of the living God. We see how the word of the living God penetrates deeply into the soul of that man, that just man. And we, do we know how to listen to the word of God? Do we know how to absorb it into the depths of our human personalities do we open our conscience in the presence of this word? Wow. Anyway. I love that. I was just thinking about like so much of how I approach the saints and the, the, the gospels and everything is through my imagination. And so a lot of this is like, it's just insights. They're, they're, they're things that we don't know. They're just conjectures. But there is so much about St. Joseph that we do know. Yes. And that's where John Paul II is coming from. That's where you come from. That's like that like... Well, I think you were coming from both too. You know, we were both coming from things we do know, things we, we imagine, but like just fundamentally, like I was saying before, like we can know that he was a just man, that he did what God wanted, that he did protect Jesus and Mary. And he did, and all the things that you listed that he's patron of just show how much we actually know about him, that he was a successful immigrant. He was a successful home finder. Like he had to move to Egypt and find a home and yep. build a new life and then move back and build a new life two years later. Yep. He was able to do those things. And the, the saints say that um, Joseph is a, like Joseph from the Old Testament is a prefigurement of Joseph of the New Testament. And mm-hmm. we know that he made like this financial success of being in Egypt. And he, he was given the title savior of the world because he was so prudent with how he handled everything. Right. And Joseph is prudent. St. Joseph is prudent. Yes. And he is the savior of the world but vicariously through his son, his foster son. Yes. Like he's not directly the savior of the world. We know that belongs to Jesus, but what he does and his intercession for us is, is profound and holy and just, and which would explain why he's the patron saint of attorneys. That one makes sense now, you know, justice, not that all attorneys are justice, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah. So, I mean, you think about that, like, yeah, wow. Okay. That makes sense. But he, he deserves these titles because of his son, because of his master. And it's, it's like, it's the same idea of to Jesus through Mary. I think that like we do that a lot with Mary specifically, but in reality, you can do that with really any of the saints, including Mm -hmm. St. Joseph to Jesus through St. Joseph. Um, Because whatever draws us closer to Jesus is a good thing. Whatever it is that we have to do to draw closer to Jesus is a good thing. But, you know, we, we do remember too, that this is to Jesus through those things. And that St. Joseph being kind of that idea of the savior of the world is definitely because it's vicariously through his son. So to Jesus through Joseph. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What a great man. He is a good, good role model. And, and I think that we just, we need to look at that, who, who our role model is in that realm. And he's a great one. And despite the fact that we don't know much about him, but I love that JP too says that, that, you know, he did everything through silence. Like, we don't record his words in the Bible because it wasn't his words that would have mattered. It was you know, what. I was just, yes. I was just thinking that like, we, you know, this is the year of St. Joseph. Like what is it that Joseph wants to teach us through this year? And this year, there are so many things that just get us riled up. They just get us angry. <laughs> this yeah. Year last year. And I think that there's a definite message from just the fact that it's consecrated to St. Joseph of how powerful silence can be. Yeah. We feel like we have to shout truth from the rooftops. Like we have to let everyone know, like you're wrong on this point. You're wrong on that point. Like, you know, the truth is over here. You know, it's, it's just being lost in the noise. that's already present. Yeah. Well, and, and what, and what we're arguing is solely uh, logic and, and rhetoric and, well, some logic, maybe not a lot, but lot, you know, rhetoric and um, morality and da 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 da, and we're not focusing on not only the truth, but how to represent and present the truth, which is actually this was another uh, great episode on Catholic stuff. You should know is all about story. No, it wasn't mm. a Catholic stuff. It was um, Gregorian rant. Gregorian Ooh. rant with Father Brian Larkin. I know I love the name. <laughs> Uh, Father Brian Larkin and uh, Patrick Davini is his friend. He's a layman. And, um, but the point being that we need to be telling truth with our story and with the story of salvation history. It's not, and, and that's why we're dealing with so many people just screaming and yelling and all that noise. And because we've lost focus, we're, we're focusing solely on, morality without salvation yeah and rhetoric without the story and it's it's causing a major disconnect in society and the more we can look at the story of saint joseph the better of a role model and easier it will be for us to find the truth than to just be screaming and yelling and having all this noise 
Yeah. And I think if you're having a hard time finding clarity, ask, what is my story? What is my story supposed to be? Yes. Because Joseph didn't know. He didn't know what his story was. He turned away from it when it was offered. Yeah. Until God spoke to him. And then he was like, this is what God wants. Then I'm going to do that. Yeah. And that, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you know, this is going to cause scandal. Yeah. People are going to ask questions and I'm going to have to answer for it. And he, and, and he was going to turn away from that, which a normal man would like, that's normal. It's natural. And that was according to the law back then. And now, and then God came to him and said, wait, here's the truth. Let me tell you the story. And Joseph listened. Yeah. He gave him an insight into the future of the story too. Yes. Yes. That this is, this is the fulfillment of God's promise. Mm -hmm. And to be the, the man being told that and being like, and I get to help bring that up. That's like, that's terrifying and really cool. <laughs> yeah. And to have a happy death at the end of it when you hadn't even seen it come to fruition, but he yeah. just trusted so much that it was going to come to fruition. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sound cool. Yeah. I think this is a great topic. Yeah. St. Joseph's the best. Yes. He's good. So, yes. St. Joseph, pray for us. Amen. Yes. yes. Terror of demons. Terror of Demons. That's like my favorite title for him. Honest to goodness. I absolutely love that title. I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Uh, We need more of that right now for sure. Amen. Amen. Silent Terror of Demons. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't need to do it through words. No. He just shows up and they're like running for the hills. (laughs) Yep. Cool. They're like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, all right, my dear. Well, you keep feeling better. Yeah, you too. I know it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yes. <laughs> you didn't hear us talking about it earlier. I had an anaphylactic reaction to a, a nail kit that I was doing my own nails with, and it was bad. And yes. I should have I should have been in the hospital. <laughs> oh, honey. I told the urgent care the next day, I was like, so I've been taking four Benadryl every hour just to be able to breathe. And they're like, yeah, why didn't you go into their ER? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. My brain. Uh, yes. Please keep us in your prayers. I've also missed yes. mass two Sundays in a row, which is because of migraines. That's been getting oh. on my spirits. Well, so. There's helping with the migraine issue. No. Well, I think it's um, allergies from outside. Mm, because um, on yeah. Saturdays I go out and I spend like all day outside and then I get a migraine so I'm like okay I need to take it easy on Saturdays um so that I can actually get to mass on Sundays <laughs> we got snowed out of mass on Sunday so we nobody oh, got wow <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that oh was my fun. gosh yeah yes. so yes uh keep us in your prayers we're praying for you listeners Amen. so thank you and yes. uh yeah we'll see you soon Elizabeth all right I'll talk to you later all right, all right. bye Bye.